Uh, it really is fun to have the kids in here, isn't it? I love it. Um, hey, uh, raise your hand. Let's do this. Raise your hand if you are in the fifth grade or lower, okay? Preston, no, you're not, okay? Kids, raise your hands up high if you're in the fifth grade or lower. Give it up again for our kiddos. I've got a, I got a question for you kids. Only the fifth graders and below can answer this question, okay? Someone, a kid among us, tell us what the letters H-O-A stand for often. Anybody know what a H-O-A is? You're not in the fifth grade, Reed. Anybody? You're in the fifth grade. Connor, go ahead. What did you say? You just went to homecoming, I think. Surely you're not in the fifth grade. HOA, anyone know? Back here, who is that with their hand up? Finley? Marley? Homeowners Association. You win. Very good. I've got a jelly belly for you later, okay? HOA, Homeowners Association. Oop, I'm going to have to change mics, aren't I? Sorry. My love handles keep hitting the little uh, packet back there. It's really embarrassing. It's not that funny. Hey, what, what does the HOA do? Anybody know? Parents? Parents, I want you to give me some examples of what, uh, what the HOA does. Real-life examples. Deanna, shy one on the front row. They yell at you for getting your house reshingled. Okay, other examples. HOA. Yes, Mr. Gavin. They charge you a lot of money. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Somebody over here had some. What do, what do HOAs do? They collect money. What are some examples? Okay, HOAs, they, they have this big, thick rule book for your neighborhood, if you've ever been in one. What are some examples, parents, of, of other rules that HOA might have for your neighborhood? You've already answered, Deanna. Sorry. Yes, Megan. You have to have two trees in your front yard. Actually, my yard's so small, I can only have one. But uh, other, yes, Shelly. The color of your front door, there's restrictions on what kind of, what color the paint can be. They also have restrictions on the different types of stone or brick that you can use. There's only certain uh, types of stone or brick that you can use over here. Other, Yvonne? Okay, decorating kind of requirements. Yeah, you can't do it, you know, can't start decorating before Christmas. You can't decorate for Christmas, uh, you know, before October 1st or something like that, or not until after October 1st, something like that. I'm being facetious. Uh, what other, other HOA, crazy HOA rules you've ever heard of? Mr. Scott? They made you take down your basketball goal because it didn't have a clear backboard. Wow. That is interesting. You know, well, the ones that, the clear ones really are a cut above the others. They don't want that, that tacky, tacky basketball goals out there in your neighborhood. He lives in a really nice neighborhood. <laughs> really nice. Uh, others? What's a, what's a crazy HOA rule you've heard of? Vicky? The 
the umbrella in your backyard was above the fence, so you needed to take it down because the other people could see it over your fence. Yeah, man, remind me not to move to your neighborhood. Anybody else? Rules? So that's what HOAs are these things that can serve a great purpose, but they also have these rules about how you're supposed to live in your neighborhood, how you're supposed to decorate, how you're supposed to uh, landscape, things that you can't do, things that you should do, how high your fences can be, uh, how high they shouldn't be, things like that, all these different rules. And you may not know it, kids, but uh, most neighborhoods have these things, and there are rules about this. If you're going to live in this neighborhood... This is the way you have to do it. These are some rules that you have to abide by. And if you don't abide by them, maybe you get fined. Uh, maybe you get taken to the Supreme Court or the HOA. I'm not sure how it works. I've gotten a few nasty uh, warnings in my, in my uh, mailbox. One of them most recently was that my trash cans were out too late after the trash had come. So the next day they were still out. And so I got this warning, you know, you need to get your trash cans up after the trash comes on Monday, right? I said, all right, I'll let my wife know that, okay? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I'm always the one that takes out the trash. Uh, here's the deal. In a lot of places where you live, there are rules or there are codes or there is a, a way to live uh, to conform to that neighborhood. Well, we've been in a study, kids, you may not know, but we've been in a study here in Big Church about a time in the life of God's people, Israel, where they were living in a foreign land. They were living in a place called Babylon, and Babylon, believe it or not, had an HOA association. There was only one person on that HOA committee, and his name was Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, but he had a lot of rules, and, and some people helped him make some rules. And one of the rules, uh, or some of the rules that Nebuchadnezzar had was that you had to eat the food that he put before you, particularly if you worked in his um, castle, right? Uh, he had other rules, and at one point in Daniel's life, and Daniel had some other friends and, that were taken to, uh, to Babylon instead of Israel. They were exiled. They had some rules not only about what they could eat, but at some point they, they had to learn certain things about Babylonian culture. So anybody here right now have a class on Texas history? Anybody? Do we teach that anymore? American history, perhaps? Done away with that too? Okay. Okay. Uh, couple of them. So if you grew up in uh, the Babylon ISD, you had to learn some things about Babylonian life. And there was actually kind of religious instruction. So you had to learn about these other gods. And, and some of the people that were sent to Babylon, they actually changed their names. Daniel's name was changed to Belshazzar, which means Bel is my God. He had to change his name to fit into this Babylonian culture, to live in the Babylonian hood, so to speak. There were these restrictions. There were these rules about what it looked like to live in Babylon. Well, guess what? Daniel and his friends, many of them, they went along with the rules. They obeyed the HOA. They obeyed what Nebuchadnezzar said because their conscience was clean to do so. So they learned some things about pagan gods. Uh, they got educated in things that they didn't believe, and, and, and Daniel and his buddies even graduated at the top of their class, at the top of this pagan Babylonian school that they went to. It'd be like graduating top in your class at the University of Texas. Pagan. They're not here this morning because they're all at home crying. But imagine, uh, so every, every neighborhood kind of has their rules, and, and Babylon had their rules too. 
This is the way we want you to live. These are the rules that you have to live by. This is the religion that you have to learn. You have to pray at this certain times. Or at one point uh, in Daniel's life, he was instructed that he had to worship this statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And guess what? That was a rule that Daniel said, uh-uh, not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. He didn't say it like that, but he said, not going to do it. Not going to bow down to the statue. Not going to worship a false god. So he didn't go by that rule. Also, he and his friends said, you know, we have a conviction about what we're supposed to eat. And we think that this diet for us would be healthier. So we're not going to abide by the rule that the king has set about what we can eat. So they got some grace from the guy that was in charge of them. And they didn't conform to the rules of the neighborhood. They actually protested the rules. Well, you know, God's, God's handbook is different than the world's handbook. God's book is different than the Babylonian book. And God has his rules about how he wants us to live in the neighborhood, in the world. And so as this story of Daniel unfolds, we, have, we can go back to this place in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29, where God kind of gives his rules. He gives his instructions to his people as they're living in this pagan neighborhood uh, Babylon. Okay, so if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29, okay? Jeremiah 29, and I want you to hear, we looked at this a few weeks ago briefly, but I want you to hear what God says, how God instructs them to live in this neighborhood that quite honestly was a neighborhood they didn't want to live in. It was a pagan neighborhood. It was a rough crowd. There were people that believed weird things, uh, untrue things, but they still had to live there. They had been sent there, and they were going to live there for 70 years. And they would be tempted to maybe uh, rebel against Nebuchadnezzar often. Uh, they would be tempted to maybe try to escape that neighborhood or go off and start their own neighborhood or maybe build higher fences uh, than, the, than the Babylonians had. But these, these are God's words to them as they live in this pagan, ungodly culture. And guess what, guys? We are living in an ungodly culture, in a largely pagan time, and we have to figure out how do we thrive in Babylon, how do we thrive in the neighborhood, even though there are lots of things that we don't agree with, lots of religions that we think are false, and lots of worship of kings or whatever that we think is bad. We have to learn how to live in that. So listen to God's instructions. We looked at this again uh, briefly a couple weeks ago, but I want to emphasize uh, some things again this morning. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7, okay? says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, this is coming from God, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 5, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Now, I want you to think for a minute how radical God's words are to his people here. When they were around paganism, when they were instructed in things that were untrue and that were false religions, think how incredible these words are when they were tempted to just kind of say, no way, we're not going to listen to you, Nebuchadnezzar. 
or no way, we're not going to live here anymore. We're going to run back to Jerusalem and, and build our, rebuild our neighborhoods there. Or we're going to escape, escape out of the palace here and not work for Nebuchadnezzar anymore. We're going to go start a neighborhood over here that's just Christians. And we're going to put a, we're going to put a big wall around it, and we're all going to have high fences, and we're going to make sure we don't have contact with these big, nasty, pagan Babylonians. They were probably tempted to do that. But what does God say to him through his word here? He says, no, I want you to live there. I want you, my alarm's going off on my watch. It means speed it up. He says, no, I want you to live there. I want you to live faithfully there. I don't want you to become like the Babylonians, but I don't want you to escape the Babylonians either. I want you to live there faithfully. Raise your sons and daughters there. Give them in marriage because you're going to live in this exile for 70 years. So live there, bloom where you're planted, so to speak, and live faithfully for me there. That's hard to do. The easier thing to do, what, what the easier thing would have been for Daniel and his buddies as well as for us, are what I talked about a couple weeks, and that's a, t- a couple weeks ago, and that's two bad options. Bad option number one is to just assimilate, just give in and assimilate to the, to the culture, or conform to the culture. That's bad choice number one. Because, hey, become like the world. Become like all the kids that I go to school with. Do the same stuff. Talk the same way. Value the same things. That's easy and bad option number one. Just conform to the world. Conform to Babylon. Bad option number two is just to give up and to move out of the neighborhood and to start your own Christian neighborhood and to build high walls and high fences and just give up and say, the world is just bad and terrible and we're not even going to try to touch it anymore. We're just going to isolate ourselves over here and just cocoon away from the big bad world. And guess what? Daniel and his buddies didn't do that either. But they made some hard choices living in that culture, yet not becoming like that culture. You see that? Look again with me at verse 7. Look at the two things that he tells us to do in our world in verse 7. Verse 7 says, But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. There's two things that I want to highlight out of there that were helpful to Daniel and his friends and I think are helpful for us. Two things that God clearly wants us to do. Number one, he wants us to seek the welfare of the city. Not to withdraw from the city, not to withdraw from the country, but to seek the welfare of the city or seek the welfare of the country. To do good in our community. Not to run and hide, but to be lights in the darkness, to seek the welfare of the city, to seek the welfare of the country. But the second thing he wants us to do is pray for the city and pray for the country. How often are you and I praying for our country? How often are we praying in this political process versus complaining in this political process? God says, seek the welfare of the city and pray for the city. Make a difference in the city. And that's our, my challenge for us this morning. It's a crazy world. And the world's dark. And the world's largely ungodly these days and doesn't seem to be headed in a good direction no matter who wins an election. But what God is telling us to do 
is to seek the welfare of the city and to pray for the city, no matter what. To not give in when it's against our conscience and not just become like the world, but, that, but also not to just run away from the world and escape the world, but to continue to do good in the world. That's the third option. And that's the really hard option. That's the one that takes a lot of wisdom, a lot of discernment, and a lot of patience to be in the world, as Jesus said, but not of the world. One of the things we want to do as a church to better care for our city is this morning I want to introduce you, and it's great that we're doing this while the kids are in, in here. We want to introduce to you a new ministry or a new emphasis of our missions ministry here at Centennial Church, okay? That, that we want to be active in our community, to care for our community, all right? To seek the welfare of the city and to do good in the city. Our mission statement as a church, and we try to say this regularly, our mission statement of our church says this, that we want to center lives on Jesus Christ. That whether you're three years old or whether you're 30 years old or 60 years old, that your life should be centered around Jesus Christ. Not, he's not an add-on, but he's the center of your life. And we do that primarily through, through four vehicles, through four strategies, those being genuine community, authentic worship, biblical teaching, and holistic mission. Now let's talk. What I want to talk to you about this morning is this fourth thing, holistic mission. Because most of you know we've got a mission trip going to Haiti uh, in a few weeks. We've got partners uh, on college campuses. We've got partners locally here, Cornerstone Ranch, um, other Samaritan Inn, other partners. We have international partners. I'm looking over here at the Bockelmans, John and Wendy Bockelman, who work with East West. But guess what? We have partners but you also are partners. You also are missionaries of Centennial Church. Did you know that, kids? When you go to school, not on Monday this week, but on Tuesday, you're a missionary of Centennial Church. God wants you sent to that school to not become like the darkness, to not conform to the darkness, but to be a light in the darkness, okay? So not only do we have missions partners, but we are missionaries, we're sending each other out into our neighborhoods, into our schools, in our workplaces as missionaries. We want to be about holistic missionary, holistic mission. And so each of us may have a different mission place, but there's also some things that we want to do together in our city, collectively as a group. Does that make sense? So this morning, I want to introduce you a new emphasis that we want to put missions, and that is what we're calling CC Cares, okay? And I'm going to bring Adzel Marmita up here. Come on up here, Adzel. Adzel is going to lead this new emphasis in our church, which is basically outreach to our local community, okay? Um, trying to do good, trying to seek the welfare of our city, uh, and Adzel has a heart for this, um, wants to see us be active in our community to serve the community, whether it's uh, single moms, whether it's the poor, whether it's those that are hungry or hurting, whatever. But Adzel is going to lead us in this new initiative, and our goal in this CC Cares is to do something practical in our community every four to six weeks, okay? We've done things like this in the past. Some of you went down and helped in Garland uh, during the tornadoes there. Some of you have been on our work projects at Cornerstone Ranch, uh, some of you have given gifts uh, at Christmas time to our, um, our Christmas project. But Adzel is going to lead uh, a team to kind of expand this and to, and to do this uh, more regularly 
in our community, okay? Uh, so I want to give Adzel a minute just to say um, a little bit about some of the things that, that he wants to see planned that you guys can, can actively join us in, okay? So Adzel, uh, my brother from another mother, uh, what, what can we expect uh, in the future, things that, that we might want to do in our community um, as part of your hope? Uh, like you said, uh, we're going to do it every four to six weeks. Um, right now, we're thinking about um, um, anybody could tell us if you know anybody who needs uh, um, charities that needs help, like um, homeless people or anybody that's victims of uh, uh, disasters, uh, natural disasters or something like that, you can tell us and we could put a list and we could do it every four to six weeks. We could uh, prioritize. And right now, what we're doing is I'm collecting a a bag of uh, Ziplocs with uh, comfort kits that we could collect um, collect uh, for the whole year round. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You hold it up for us. Want to hold it for me? Okay. This is a comfort kit. Um, what we could do, you don't have to uh, buy it or for travelers who go to conferences, you go to hotels and you'll see this uh, smaller uh, toiletries. You could actually like, you know, if you don't want to use it, just take it and you could uh, collect and put it in a Ziploc and we could uh, uh, put it in a box. And anytime we need it, we could give it to the homeless people or anybody who needs it. And it's not necessarily a disaster area, natural disaster area. We could, uh, every four to six weeks, go out, go to downtown, and you can see a lot of homeless people in downtown. Just give it to them. Um, we, I call it, for me, it's like ministry in action. You know, we just don't teach them. We want to see them that we're acting on it like that. Great example. So comfort kits. We're going to have some bins here in the lobby or somewhere around the church that if you want to do this as a family, a comfort kit, and just bring it and drop it here. And then when something happens, like Hurricane Matthew or something, and we want to send some supplies, we've got it ready to go. Okay? Uh, things like that. What are some other uh, or ideas that you have in the weeks to come? Did you already mention those? Um, I, I've been talking to uh, some people about it. Um, right now, um, it's about... Uh, going out to uh, the homeless people, um, um, talking to them at the same time if they want to know more. And right now we have a hurricane that, that just uh, hit uh, the East Coast. And I know it's far, but there will be some, especially we live in Texas and Oklahoma, where there's a lot of natural disasters, we could easily use it like that. And I'm um, expecting actually uh, not just the adults, but especially the youth, because they are the, uh, as a cliche, it may be the future of our you know, nation, our country, and uh, ministry especially. So they'll be the one who will be continuing our ministries. So the youth will be important to help with us. Does that make, does that make sense? Something practical, something tangible for the welfare of our city. It could be homeless. Uh, it could be other just general helps. Um, it could be going to uh, the homes of single moms in our areas. And just doing handiwork or doing yard work or just being the church, being the salt and light uh, in our community in a, in a practical, tangible way. Okay, that's hope. Um, if there's one area of those four strategies in our church that we felt like we, we need, we have some area for growth, it's this idea of being missions, being missionaries in our society and making a practical difference uh, with the good news as well as, as good works. Okay, so that's the idea. We have some pictures. Go ahead and roll through some of those pictures, Eric. Um, Adzel, what do you need uh, from us? How can we get involved? What do you need from us going forward? 
Um, yeah, just uh, every time you come into the church, if you want to bring some of those comfort kits, uh, because we need to um, collect those all year round. Um, uh, like that, what we have in a picture, um, that, that's a good actually opportunity for us to go and give those uh, comfort kits, not just to physically do the work, but also um, give, because, you know, when you have nothing, those are the first thing that you need. Um, if you feel clean, if you feel uh, comfortable, and you feel better, actually, inside, not just outside, but inside also, you feel better. And you know that because we feel it, too. If you don't brush our teeth and we forgot to brush our teeth, we go out, we don't we kind of feel awkward about it. So it's just as simple as like that. But you're going to need you're going to need some teammates, right, to oh, help yeah. you. Sorry, yeah, I, I need some team, uh, a cool leader, just members, but cool leaders about it. Um, I'll be outside for maybe several minutes. I know my family's here, but I will be outside several minutes if you have some more questions. So, um, kids, youth, uh, old, older people, um, I need to uh, have a cool leaders with this. And if you need, if you know anybody needs help, please tell us. Um, if you don't know the problem, then we can solve the solution and give a solution, right? Awesome. Um, I was, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> read this to everybody. Um, Matthew 25, um, 38. And when did we see you, a stranger, and welcome you, or naked and clothed? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least at this, my brothers, you did it to me. I'm going to have uh, Bob, one of our elders, come up and just pray over Adzel and this new emphasis. Uh, and if you, if you have a heart for this, if, man, you're like, this tugs at your heart, I want to help Adzel, I want to be on that team, I want to be a crew leader, whatever it is, talk to him, um, get in touch with him so that you can be part of uh, planning these things, executing these things as we go forward, right? To seek the welfare of the city and to pray for the city, to share the good news, but also to be about good works. Uh, in and around our community. Amen? Bob, will you pray for us? And just to let you know, Adzel and Jess have a track record of doing this over years um, for their own people in the Philippines. So we are blessed to have them here, and, and uh, we love their hearts. And they're in my CC group, so I'm especially blessed to be a part of their lives. Father, we, uh, we give you praise and thanksgiving for bringing Jess and Adzel to our church and Troy. Thank you for their family, Lord. Thank you for their love and their compassion and their action. Um, thank you for their love for you and how they desire to be salt and light. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, bless their efforts and go before them, open the doorways, open our hearts, open our eyes. God, we, it's so easy for us to be centered around ourselves and our own needs, but Father, you say, you tell us in your word to look on the needs of others. And so I pray you would uh, use Adzel and Jess to, uh, to help us see the strategic places where we can share the gospel, where we can minister to practical needs, where Jesus' name can be exalted and hearts can be transformed. Thank you. We pray your Holy Spirit's blessing on them. And we pray that you'd guide us as a church as well. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. amen. Thank you, brother. Hey, we're, uh, we're going to come to the table now and celebrate uh, the good work that Jesus has done for us.
Uh, imagine, imagine if Jesus had stayed away from the world. Ah, it's too dirty down there. It's too sinful. It's too yucky. I'm not going to go down there and get involved with the yuckiness of that world. Imagine if that would have been Jesus' attitude. We would not be here today. We would not know God as our Savior if Jesus had stayed in the heavens and not entered our mess, not entered our brokenness. And certainly if Jesus had come and been a sinner like us, he would not have been able to save us. But he came as the perfectly pure human, the perfectly pure God-man, entered our mess, saved us from this mess, and has given us a new heart to share the joy of knowing him and, and to share the, the good news of the gospel as well as be people of good works in our community because he came, he entered the pain, he entered the mess, and he made a difference in our hearts and in the life of the world. So as we come to the table this morning, we come because Jesus, our great missionary, has come first to us. He did not shy away and he did not conform to the world, but he came and loved us in our mess and gave his life in our mess. I wanna invite our servers to go ahead and come forward, take the elements and go to your station. Kids, you're going to need to talk to your parents before uh, we take communion and talk to them if, if you're ready uh, to come and celebrate communion. Communion is an important thing. It's a serious thing. So before you do it, you need to ha have a conversation with your parents and make sure that's something that you are uh, ready to do, okay? As we come forward, we take a piece of the bread and we dip it in the cup and uh, we're reminded of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ shed for us. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to read uh, Jesus' words from Matthew here as he gave us this celebration. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in your love for us, Jesus has, has moved in in compassion, that he healed those in need of healing, that he gave himself for our sin, that he proclaimed the good news and sends us out to proclaim the good news and do good works in our world. Lord, as we take of the bread and the cup this morning, remind our hearts afresh of grace, of the coming of Jesus to heal our hearts and to heal this world in his new coming kingdom. It's in his beautiful name we pray. Amen. I invite you to come and celebrate.